Hello, this is Sean McCangus and this is episode 18 of the Highland League podcast season 2. Today's guest is Inverurie Locos manager Andy Lowe. Hope you enjoy this interview. What, what, what got you into football at first? Uh, football, uh, to start with, I've probably I've been into it since I was as young as I can as young as I can remember. My my dad was a um, a keen footballer uh, when he was when he was younger, and then he got involved in the coaching side as well with with Middlefield Boys Club. So I was kind of brought up in it from there, um, and ever since then I kind of just uh, just went through the age groups at Middlefield. Um, with my dad, he was the manager of the team, um, and it kind of just progressed from there. So it's it's been it's been a big part of my life. It's um, it's something that I've um, I've always turned to. Um, I love I love my football, um, whether it's playing football or coaching football or watching football. Um, it's it's always been a big part of my life. Yeah. So um, how how did the move into the Highland League? Did you go through any youth ranks? Or... I went from uh, I went from Middlefield and then I had a had a few months at Dundee. Um, I actually I was playing for Middlefield. I was a goalkeeper for Middlefield for a <laughs> while, um, and then I I was playing in one game. I think we, we were struggling for outfield players, and uh, I can't remember how it came about. But the the Dundee scout was actually there watching a couple of guys uh, played with Ali Youngson. It was a Ali played for Inverie Locos and Peter Head and stuff. Yeah. Uh, Clark Dane obviously played for Locos as well. So played in a team with all these guys, but I obviously played outfield in one game and I think I managed to score three or four goals and uh, got invited down to Dundee as an outfield player. And it, it kind of all just kind of it kind of all just changed from there for me. Um, went down to Dundee and did all right. Um, I felt like I still had a lot to learn as an outfield player uh, and was a bit short of, of what was required. And ultimately, I got released from Dundee. But then after that, I made my name as Huntley. Um, and that was under Kev and Doug Will. It was uh, at the time it was Willie Lawson and Kev Will was his assistant, and Doug used to do the youth side of stuff. Um, so I had good connections with Doug, who was um, who was previously the West Hill Boys Club manager, and we were the competitors with Middlefield at that time. So made my way to Huntley, and um, it kind of all just kind of took off from there. That was me just turned seventeen years old. Um, could have even been as young as sixteen at that time. Um, I done I done well when I, when I went in there at Huntley at seventeen and ended up being involved in the first team quite early on at seventeen years old and played in the Highland League ever since. Yeah. So so how 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 did you find um um your your first game as uh, in the Highland League because it can be quite physical for for when you're younger um adapting to it. I can't. I, I remember. I remember training, uh, training at a time. Kind of, was a lot of experienced guys. I, I go back to training with with Martin Stewart and everything. Martin's a, a high league legend, and I probably seen him coming towards the end of his career. But you could just tell the way that he, he handled himself, and um, some of the things that he done in training was just. Um, was great and for me as a striker he was somebody that I looked up to quite early on and and he actually took me under my wing I, I remember Martin quite well he was always really good with the youngsters and he would tell you he would tell you when you weren't doing something right or if you weren't working hard enough um, he would let you know and there was Eddie Copeland and stuff there at Huntley at that time as well so 
I got a good ground in Huntley, and it was um, a lot of a lot of experienced guys. It was a great club. I enjoyed it, and I remember my I remember my debut well. Like, you know, I was all I was brought on the off. 10-15 minutes of a game and I'm pretty sure it was just to work hard up front and, and to um, be a nuisance um, and it kind of gone from there um, the, it was tough um, I wasn't the, the, I wasn't the quickest I wasn't the biggest of guys sorry I was probably at that age I was all about uh, pace and more the technical side so it was a it was a wake up call playing for them in the November December months where <laughs> I was getting thrown about as a 17 year old but uh, it certainly gave me a good grounding for, for later on in my career Yeah, is that where you picked up your, your free kicks? All your, known it's, for your free it's kicks? It's probably something that I remember when any time I used to go, come home from school I used to I used to just go out and uh, my, dad, my dad and my dad stayed in a farm so I had a football pitch just, uh, just at the side of my house so I used to just go out until whatever time they would allow me to and just hit free kicks all night, every night and that's just what I did, it's something that I, I pride, pride myself on that in corners, I used to always uh, enjoy the set pieces so it's something that I, I used to always do um, and it's something that I, I practice a lot in I think any any players that probably played with me as well will probably say like before a game, you maybe weren't meant to do it. A few of the coaches didn't like it, but I used to try and get myself down to the ground at maybe half one, especially when I was at locos, try mm. and get myself down to the ground at half one and just do half an hour or forty five minutes of free kicks before a game, uh, just to get practice in. So something I enjoyed. Yeah, I was going to say it must have got to the stage that it became quite natural when you were when you were stepping up for a free kick just to hit it. Um, with the amount of practice you'd put in, it was it, it was something I was always very confident with. Um, played with a lot of guys that were great ability as well, and you've um, and we had, we had shot about in times. But I always knew that it was something that I was always very very confident with. Other parts of my game that I, I could have done better in, but in terms of uh, set pieces, it was one part that I always felt that um, I was. I was um, very high in terms of opportunities for a goal or uh, an assist, and it was something that I, I prided myself on, and it was probably a big part of me throughout my career in Highland League. Yeah. Um. So, so how how did the the move come about to to go to Bucky? Um. The the Huntley move went. I went from Huntley. Um. Billy Anderson came in at Huntley, yeah. and when Billy came in at Huntley, he he decided to go his own way with things. And I was disappointed at the time. Cause I I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it at Huntley. Really good club, um, great setup, and they were they were a club that were probably sitting at about sixth or seventh at that time in the Highland League, and they felt that they they were they were getting closer to. To challenge him for trophies, and, and Billy and Mike Cormack came in, and they came in, and they just they completely wiped out the the current squad that was there, and they just went their their own way. Apart from I think Martin Stewart and, and Russell Guild, Gary McGowan, I think is probably your three off the top of the head mm. that they're really staying. Ross Bremner are your four local lads there, and uh, they were the guys that that probably stayed. And the rest of us made way for the guys that made their way up from the juniors, like Jerry O'Driscoll. And, oh, there, there was a squad that, that would come up from the juniors. And I remember at the time being disappointed mm. um, that I, I wasn't given the opportunity um, to be part of that. But ultimately, it led to 
uh, me moving to locals, which was a which was a big positive for me and uh, Billy Anderson and that Huntley side won one league title. So it was the correct decision from their point of view. But it's certainly one that I always felt that um, I could have been part of. Um, and I remember two or three games into my time at locals once Huntley sold me. It was a Wednesday night and we were playing Bucky at Locos and um, Bucky were winning 3 0 against Locos and then um, I came on for for Locos maybe with about 20 minutes to go and I scored a hat trick just in about 10, 10 minutes and uh, Billy Anderson and Mike Cornwell were in the stand. So I just gave them a little smile when I was walking <laughs> off. But all in good, all in good, uh, all in good faith. So, they're a good, they were fine, fine guys. I always got on well with them and held no grudges there. So, as I say, they went on and were successful. But on the side, so they, it, it worked out well for both of us. Yeah. So is that is that how um, you got your move to, to, to Bucky? That was the Locos one. Uh, so I was at Locos for, for two years under um, John Garner. Um, and that was just when Locos broke into the league. They came into the Highland League um, and generally it was a, a team that had stuck together from the juniors but John was just starting to try and get one or two guys that had been playing Highland League and I was still, I must have been 19, 20 at the time yeah. um, and, and John brought me in to that squad and I loved it. I loved that time uh, at Locos. I, I thought it was a great club then. I thought it was a club that was going to do well and it was going to progress and they were, they were hungry for it. You could tell... Uh, I got. I went in there, and Inverurie is quite a. It's quite a close community. I went in there, and there was a lot of local guys, and I was probably one of the only ones travelling through from Aberdeen at the time. But the guys took to me really well. I ended up um, really enjoying that period there. But um, yeah, after a couple of years, that led then led to a move to to Bucky under Duncan Sheeran and Graham McBeath. Yeah. Um, so so how 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 did you find that was it was it a bit of a step up or at the time um, it was Bucky was still a step up from Inverurie at the time Bucky were Bucky were trying to make a push Duncan, Duncan and Graham had just not long went into the job and um, I remember I, I played an under twenties game against Bucky and I think it was one of Duncan's first nights he stayed through in Aberdeen so the the twenties game was at Inverurie. You know, obviously, I think I scored a couple of goals that night, and ever since then, the phone then went on the the Tuesday or the Wednesday after that Monday night game, and it was it was uh, Bucky trying to trying to get us from from locals, and um, as soon as I it's not really a, a move I was interested in at that time because obviously, um, as I said, I was really enjoying it at locals. I thought it was a, a great club at the time, and we were we were progressing, but. I had one conversation with, with Duncan and as you can imagine I was still a young lad and um, this is a guy that I looked up to mm. um, supported Aberdeen he was a he was a top striker so just one conversation with Duncan was probably enough for me to then think yeah I, I quite fancy this um, and, that, and that's where it led from Yeah so so what, what was it like um, having him as a manager? It was It was great I got on. I got on really well with him in terms of in terms of him as a manager. I thought. Um, I thought for the strikers in particular, he was really good. He used to like to do a lot of finishing drills with us individually, which was which was great. As a young lad, you were, I was kind of in awe of him at the time. He was still he was still somebody that 
he was a, he was a top class striker for Aberdeen, and you could still see some of the things that he did in training that, that why why he did so well in his career. So to come in early doors um, and to work with him so closely as a as a twenty year old who was I was still ambitious at that time. I still felt at twenty year old if I if I did well in the Highland League, I would maybe have a chance to to progress my own career. So um, it ticked a lot of boxes for me, um, and I started well. I think. And Duncan felt it felt it to me that when I came into came into Bucket it would be me and um, John Coots would be a strike force, yeah. and and that's kind of how it started out. Um, and we we started really well together, me and John. Um, John, as you know, was a was a top top Highland League striker, and he had he had so much ability. Um, and, and we hit it off right away, both like on on off the park. I got on well with John as a as a friend as well. So that was that was kind of how that one came about. Yeah. So um, so moving further forward um, so you ended up there was a couple of years obviously our managers and then um Greg Greg Caro um came in um just after that um big um cup um defeat. How was that in terms of the change of of management and and style that he brought compared to our managers you'd previously worked under. Um, in terms of Greg, Greg's Greg's the best manager that I've worked under. Um, there's, I would I would say that quite quite clearly. I would, I think Spider Spider at the bucket obviously um, worked with Spider as a coach and um, and he was he was my manager as well while I was still playing. I think Spider. I rate him highly as a manager, but in terms of experience and coming in and just changing how things worked at a club, I thought I thought Greg was outstanding, and he's he's some he's somebody that I, I looked up to for for my coaching. He's somebody that I picked I picked his brains a few times when I was still a player, and he probably wondered why I did that. But it was one eye in the future as well, and and hoping to go into management myself in the future. So, um, I always remember. Greg coming in and, and speaking to us once he got the job and he just had one of those voices that um, once he spoke everybody listened he, he just had that he had a tone he had a tone about him that it just made you listen to him um, and he was an intelligent guy he spoke well he spoke clearly and he, he was just he was very clever in, in what he'd done um, he he built a few strong sides up at Bucky uh, in his time there, and I felt right away after about two weeks of Greg being in charge that I could see this Bucky team winning a league within the next couple of years, and that's the biggest compliment that I could pay him. Is within a couple of weeks you could just tell that it was a different standard of manager had walked through the door. Yeah. So what what was it that changed about all the players there and stuff? Was it was it the mentality or, or training or what was the biggest um, change? Greg demanded, Greg's really demanded really high standards and it's something that I would always think personally that I would always I would always give 100% in mm. training, I would give him all but he always he always found that extra 5% and it was probably from competitiveness, he used to he, he strengthened the squad he used to think, can we do I need players in these areas of the park or um, but he used to fill the squad just to get the best out of people. Um, so any slippage in what you were doing, um, somebody would take your place. And so he kind of done it that way. But he also um, he demanded more from me as a footballer, like at that time under Duncan. And 
Um, basically trained once a week in once a week in Aberdeen. Oh, well, actually, sorry, we actually trained twice a week in Aberdeen, and we used to only see the team on a on a Saturday. So we were jumping Saturday from Saturday. But Greg right away came in and said, right, Monday night we're training up at Bucky. Um, Thursday night we'll we'll do an Aberdeen training session, and then we'll have our games on our Saturday. So right away. That training sessions on a Monday night, you were together, and the togetherness within the squad and the competitiveness within the squad just changed right away. Um, and it obviously took him time to build it up, but you could see within the changing room that it was a change of mentality. I honestly felt it within about two weeks, um, just the way that he handled himself and the way that he demanded stuff from players. Um. So in ter- in terms of you played with a, a a lot of good players in on those Bucky teams. Um, who would you think were the were the main standouts for for years? Or is that difficult to say? No, because I've played in a few Bucky teams. I would say, um, and if you want to go through positions, I would say goalkeeper. I would say Kevin Main. Uh, Kevin Main's the the best goalkeeper that I've played with. Um, Mainzer came in. He came in quite a quite a young lad, but he he matured under Greg as well, and um, ended up being a, a top class goalie and still is in the Highland League. In terms of defenders, Lewis McKinnon, um, Kevin Small, them two guys, I thought were were brilliant, and their partnership was um, a mainstay in, in both the title wins, along with Mo Morrison, who came in as well in the second one. Um, in the middle of the park, Dave McRae is probably one of the best players that I've play, played with. Davey was signed by, by Duncan from, from Nairn, but I think probably seen the best years of Davey under under Greg, where he was outstanding for us in the middle of the park with either Spider next to him or Donnie Monroe or, or Zico. There was a few guys there. And then for your strikers, um, Ian Murray, Ian Murray and Zander. That's the two that stand out for me. I thought I could keep on going on with names. We had so much options at that time. But um, if you're asking for a standout performance, Moby is probably the best player that I've played with. Um, and I actually think I've probably played with Moby near the, not at his peak. I think probably Moby's peak was a year or two before that at, uh, at Devon Vale. So it kind of scares me at the thought of how good he was when he was in that Devon Vale side because when he came up to Bucky, he was just somebody that was just, again, he just raised the standards. I thought I thought we had good players until Moby came in and he just raised the standard of what you're expected as a striker. He just he just done everything. Even though he was small, he was good in the air. He was nasty. He mm. was quick. He was a top top high league striker, probably in in my opinion the best high league striker that I've seen playing. Um, I say that without any question. And Zander, Zander Sutherland came in from um, Zander would have signed from Elgin, I think it was, and right away he was just different class, different type of player uh, to what we had. Skillful, arrogant, mm. um, and just had that wee bit of magic uh, that could win you games. And Zander also had a, a little nasty side as well, which is which is always good for a striker to handle yourself in half. So um, between those two, they were they were just a test for for any defender, I'd imagine. Yeah. Um. So so how how did it feel winning your your first Highland League um title in two thousand and nine? Well, the first one um when Greg came in, I actually that's when I picked up 
my cruciate, um, my, my first cruciate injury, which kept me out of football for for twenty months, it was in total because it kind of I kind of snapped it again halfway through my halfway through my recovery. So um, I would never class myself as part. Also, I've got a winner's medal, and mm. um, people will see my name on the board as part of the squad. I don't really include it myself because I never played any minutes that year. I did the pre-season to try and get myself available, but I broke down again with my knee. And I made the decision that year to pull, pull myself away from um, pull myself away from the situation and, and try and build up uh, my knee and do my own rehab. So I, when I when I came back, I knew I was right this time. So it's it's a squad that I I was kind of part of. Like I still met up with the guys in the evenings and stuff and um, still followed the games. I was at the majority of the games that year, certainly all the home games and a lot of the away ones, but I don't class myself as uh, as winning that first league title. It must have been even more special scoring that free kick on in front of like 2,000 people to beat Vale to clinch the, the title the following season. Yeah, that was special. It was um, when I came back. I came back the following pre-season. Obviously, I'd spoken to Greg and just says, "Look, I think I've done my, I've done my rehab, and I feel like I feel like my knees as good as it can be." And um, I ended up playing quite a big part that year. I was I was happy with my contribution. Um, I got played. I was certainly. I felt Greg used to chop and change the the start, and he he used to have a code of about eight players that he used to play all the time, and then he would chop and change a few round about it. And I always felt that I was there and there about and, and played a big part that year. So um, I remember coming up to that Devon Vale game. I was actually disappointed I never started. It was a it was another one of games before that that I thought I'd done quite well. Um, and, and deserved to start that day but obviously it, it turned out that Craig was right again <laughs> and um, and he made the decision to, to keep me on the bench and I came on with I think about the 80th minute I think it was and he just asked me if I had, if I had an opportunity for something just to go and try and win us the game um, and, and don't do nothing silly um, to lose us <laughs> the game so when the opportunity came up I remember this free kick and Mo Morrison came right up to me Mo used to hover around about free kicks as well um, but he actually said to me should we stick us one in the corner and I says I, I just said to him no I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm going for it I'm going to go for this one and I was confident um, and it was just the best, my best moment in football. Um, I don't think I'll, I don't think I'll ever be able to beat that. I hope I can because the emotion that I felt that that day was uh, was something that I hope I can get again. Yeah, because it's it seems to have been viewed so many times on on YouTube and and stuff. It was it's great. Like the the I had a I had a really good relationship with the Bucky supporters. I also. They were good for me when I when I through that injury period that I came through. They're always asking questions. They're always asking to help you if if, if needed. Um, so I always felt I had a, a good relationship with them, and I I like to make time for the supporters. These guys they just love they love football. They're coming to watch their their local side. So I think as a player, you've got a role there to to make them feel part of it and have a have a chat with them ask their opinions like even if you don't like their opinions I think mm. they're within the right to give it so I used to always make time for the supporters so um, when that was as good a gift that I could give them back as it, as it did the, the celebrations went on for, for weeks and weeks after it so 
um, yeah, it was it was a it was a good one for me as I as I would class as my first time league title. Yeah. So so how great was being in 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 those types of um, big derby games? Because um, they always seem to attract a um, a big crowd over the years. They did, yeah. I remember we that actual year, the year that we won the league, we played Devon Vale. It was quite a close thing between us and Vale that year. We played Devon Vale. I think it was in between Christmas and New Year that season that we won the league there, and um, they beat us seven 0 at Devon Vale that night in Banff, and that was a that was a wake up call for us in that period. And I remember the Devonville fans. There was probably about a thousand there that night, and the Devonville fans obviously made a a big noise that night and rightly so because they, they just beat their nearest rivals and, and title challengers uh, quite convincingly but it was a wake up call for us we needed to we need to go away and get fitter um, I think we maybe took our feet uh, foot off the pedal of, after winning that first league title and I think we just needed a, a quick reminder of the hard work that needs done to, to win league so um, when it when it went on at that last game of the season it came about for between us and Devonville to win the league the, that type of games you couldn't have picked a better opponent in terms of what you're wanting from atmosphere wise and stuff it was it was brilliant and it is what Bucky and Devonville derbies are uh, people that haven't been involved in it they probably think oh, it's maybe just another high league game but it's not it means so much to, to these people uh, and you can feel that when you're when you're part of it so going on to who would you say was the the best player you've you've played against I would say my toughest opponent, um, it's probably a different question, I'll, I'll answer that one first. My toughest opponent, I'd probably go Scotty Fraser when he was at, um, when he was at Devonvale. Um, Scott, uh, Scott Fraser was, I thought he was a great player, he had, a, he had a, a, made a big move to Cove at one point, I think he was at Fraserburgh, and he was in at Devonvale, but he was strong. Um, in the early parts of his career, he was really quick, but he was also he was he was quite nasty. And Scotty Scotty's a fine lad off the park, <laughs> but on the park he was uh, he was uh, he was nasty. He was nasty. Um, but he was a he was a very very good defender and tough to tough to come up against. So he was probably the hardest defender. Him and him and Eric Watson, I would say, would probably be the two um, that stand out for me. Eric pretty much exactly what I've just said about Scotty kind of falls into that category so for me a little quick striker at that time um, used to get bullied sometimes <laughs> if I wasn't if I wasn't handling myself so they were probably the toughest two uh, that I came up against but the best player I played against in the England League um, there's been a few there's been a few Paul Coots in his in his early years at Cove I think that's probably a standout for me. I think there was a year at Cove that before he went down to Peterborough, I think he was just miles ahead of anything that was in the Iron League and you could just tell that it was a guy that was going to go and make a successful career. So he's probably he's probably the standout perform, uh, performer that I've seen um, at this level. Um, a notable mention as well, I, I, played, with, I played with Kevin Fraser um, in Bucky Thistle and also coached him just in that that season that we won the league uh, with Bucky, and that's probably the highest. Um, it's probably the highest performer that I've seen over a over a season. And um, there's guys like I've said, Moby's the best player that I've played with, but that's yeah. probably consistency over over the case of, over the course of what he's done in his career. But in terms of one season, um, 
Kevin Fraser was just unplayable for Buckets Thistle. He was uh, he was outstanding. He was unfortunate not to get his move to to Cali Thistle, which he which he would have deserved. After um your time at Bucky, um you left to to return to um to locos. So how how did you feel about um leaving Bucky after every everything you'd won and Yeah, it was it, it was a difficult one. Um Greg Greg decided to um just to change up the squad with we kinda would won our second league title and you could see that things needed freshened up. Um there was players that had, I'd travelled to Bucky for about eight year, eight, nine years at that point and I would hold my hands up and say that I probably took my foot off the glass at the time I didn't feel that I did but when you look back you probably you probably did and Greg decided to freshen up the squad because because it needed it and uh, the opportunity came came about to, to move back to Inverurie and it was one that I was very keen on um, I enjoyed my my first period there I wasn't really looking to leave at that point and when the opportunity came back up train more locally and for me as an Aberdeen lad training twice a week just in Inverurie and every second weekend the game being in Inverurie it was uh, it was something that I was looking to do because I'd felt I'd, I'd made a big commitment to Bucky over the over the eight or nine years it was before that so um, yeah I think it was a move that suited both parties yeah so so how how did you find it compared to your your first spell that you had when you were nineteen or so? Again, I, I enjoyed it. It was it came back and it was a it was a team that was looking to looking to kick on again. Um, I played with I played with uh, Scott Buckin and Kenny Cool in that first period when I was at at Loco, so they knew what what I could do from from then but also what I'd went on and done at Bucky. So um there was a relationship there anyway and I really liked Scotty and Kenny. I thought that I thought they were a good management duo. I thought um I thought they they done well and I enjoyed playing for them under that period but I was going through a period where I just couldn't get fit and I, I was never a hundred percent. I think I'd the problem was going further up my body from my knees. Um they say you try and compensate your your weaknesses and my my biggest weakness was my knees but when once I strengthened them up then made its way up into my stomach and um I I think I had a double hernia operation with the uh, under Scott and Kenny and I, I feel I, I probably only played and um, maybe ten good I would say ten good games for them over that period and it was a it was a period period that was frustrating for me because I, I always felt that I, I really wanted to do better. Um, it certainly wasn't for the lack of trying, but it, uh, the the injuries were really starting to take a toll on me. So, so after your your spell at um, locals, you you went back to Bucky. Um, you must have been chuffed to go back to a club that you did um, so much success and. I know, I, I'm, I'm getting surprised here. I know I've done this Bucky and Locos thing a few times, but um, <laughs> I just remind myself how many times I've gone from Bucky and Locos because <laughs> uh, I've still got to go back yet. But, um, so the time I went back up there, that was with, uh, that was with Gary Hake and, and Kevin Small. Again, two guys that um, I played with Smallard and uh, Haker was the assistant to, assistant to uh, Greg. So... It was something that I knew that I was going back into, but it was also that a club that I felt that there was still a bit of unfinished business there. Um, and 
once I went up there, I, I actually think I probably played my best football mm. under Haker and in smaller. And I think that was, I think that was probably I'd, I had that bit between my teeth where it actually hurt me that, that Scotty and Kenny had chosen to uh, transfer Lisman. But I've, I know they were within their right to do it. I think they expected a lot more from me as a as a player when I went back there. I think I rewarded them at times, but probably not as much as what they'd wanted. And when I look back at it, I can understand that. Certainly now from being a manager, I can, I can 100% see where they came from. Uh, so when I went back to Bucky, um, it, I kind of gritted my teeth and made sure that I went and proved a, a couple of people wrong because I, I would imagine there was, there was a few Bucky fans at that point although it would have been Andy Lowe coming back and I kind of had that status when after after uh, the free kick that I scored um, that a lot of people welcomed me back with open arms but also didn't doubt that there would have been a few but I thought well he didn't really play a lot of football at Locos um, and he's coming back up here but I feel like that season or two seasons that I played under Haken and Smaller, I think I played consistently for about two years and probably played my best football. Um, won a couple of the Player of the Year awards within the club, and um, I certainly felt that I justified my move back to the club. Um, so how 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 did you feel about making the switch um, more into to coaching as um as your your playing career came came to an end? It was one where. Once I done my cruciate the second time, I started to think that my head, my football career could finish quicker than, than what I'm what I'm hoping. So I love football too much just to just to give up on it. So I started to do my coaching badges quite young, probably 24, 25. Um, started to do little things on the side, and I used to always, like I mentioned earlier on in this conversation, I used to always have an interest in it. I think I seem to remember in train journeys on the way home. Managers at the time maybe wondered why I was doing it, but I used to just go and sit and have a chat with Greg and say, "Why, why did you do this at this point in the game? Why did you do mm. that?" And at the point, I'm probably thinking about it now. Greg probably thought, "Why is he being so nosy? And like, why is he asking so many questions?" But it was honestly, I just wanted to know how how people's minds worked, specifically probably Greg as well, because. I had so much respect for him, what he did at Devon Vale and what he came in and done at Bucky. I used to, I used to always just try and grab five, ten minutes with him and probably ask him questions that he couldn't be bothered answering because uh, he probably just wanted to be after his game on a Saturday. But I used to always try and do it and it was just for my passion for the coaching side. Um, and it's it's just kind of, it's gone on from there. Any any good training sessions over the years, I used to go home after training and jot them down. Um any bad ones I didn't <laughs> but all the good ones I used to just go home and had my own little folder of, of training sessions that I would take forward with me if I if I ever was successful to be a coach uh, further down the line so it's always something that I've, I've had a passion for yeah so how, how did you you make this switch you did some coaching obviously at Bucky and then you moved to locals and obviously when Neil Cooper um departed you you got the manager's job so so how how did you feel about stepping up um from assistant um to the main man well initially the initial step came from i did the i did the bucket under the reserve side when spider was the manager when spider first got the job there was spider lewis mara and i done the i done the under 20s because uh, i was still actively playing for 
for Bucky at that time. So I'd made the transfer over at the under twenties just to give myself a taste for it because say I'd been doing my I'd been doing my badges and it was something that I was I was quite keen to do. And as soon as I got involved in that on the Monday nights and was actually taking the teams, although in the initial the initial part of it, I've always been very confident with the coaching side. Um, in terms of on the park and, and doing drills and stuff, but actually speaking in front of a, a changing room of guys, that was something that was quite new to me, um, but something that I've, I've progressed with as I've gone on. But at that time, it was it was completely different to what I had imagined. It was a lot more difficult. Um, just standing in front of a changing room of guys and just asking, telling them what you want them to do. So the, the under-20s was a good grounding for me. I had a couple of good years doing that. And then eventually went in a first team coaching role within that management setup with with Spider Lewis and Mara. And then we obviously went on and were successful with the with the league title with that as well. Ever ever since I retired, I was always a part of it that that thought I kind of want to go my own way, but I also wanted to build myself up and, and grasp any opportunities that came up. So. There was an opportunity that, that came up at, at Locos um, in the first team coaching role and I, I thought it was a, a step up for me in terms of coaching. Um, when I was at Bucky, we used to train, we used to do a, a Monday night um, in Aberdeen and we used to do a Thursday night up at Bucky. So the Monday night spider used to just let me take the training session but because of the way that we worked at Bucky, you maybe only had a handful of players um, and then the Thursday night spider was quite hands-on. Um, I'm quite hands-on now, so I respect that. But um, spider was quite kind of hands-on with the training sessions. I, I wasn't getting as much coaching out of it. It's what I liked, and I wanted more. Um, so when the opportunity came up for for locals, it was kind of put to me that I could I could do the training, and I could I certainly do a, a good chunk of the training, and I could help out with the training the youngsters. Locals has got a first class um, you set up here so you've got your 17s 19s 20s you can go in it's just down the road from me I stay I stay locally so it was put to me that I could go in and, and do a lot of coaching and as soon as I heard that it was just something that I was I thought it was too good an opportunity to turn down I thought it would uh, really improve me as a coach um, and that's how that move came about so so once you you made the step up into the the manager of the club um how how did you how did you find that and and how important was the the experience over the years to to prepare you for this i felt um i felt ready for it i wasn't at the, at the time at the time i wasn't actively looking for it i was uh i was happy with what i was doing i was learning i wanted to learn more about the club i wanted to learn about the, the 17s i wanted to learn about the 19s i wanted to learn about the 20s and i wanted to I wanted to carry on coaching and, and look at all the guys that are going to be coming through because I did have one eye. I did think, well, in maybe two, three years' time, I could possibly I could possibly um, make a move for this so uh, the opportunity might come up. Um, so I, I wanted to absorb as much information about the club as I could. Um, but things happened very quickly, and as soon as the opportunity came up that I could be the manager in Brugge, because then it was too good an opportunity to turn down. Um, the 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 structure of the club, the way the club is run, and the fact it's on my doorstep as well, um, it's it ticks all the boxes for me, and I feel fortunate that I'm I'm in such a such a good position as my first 
first manager's job because I don't actually, I don't think in terms of the Highland League, I could I could be in a better position than what I'm in. Um. So in in terms of the the time you've been managing so far, how how have you found it? Um. Overall, it's been um it's been enjoyable. I do I really enjoy it. Um. I wouldn't do it if I didn't enjoy it. I do really enjoy it. It's been it's probably been a a slight eye opener in terms of the. Um, the amount of work is required. Um, I would I, I would always class myself as, as a hard working person anyway. Um, when I was in the first team coaching role, or whether it was under Neil or whether it was under Spider, and I was always asking questions. Do you, do you need help with anything? Is there anything more that I could do? I, I, I like to be I like to be helpful um, as much as possible. So, um, but when everybody once you turn to the manager's job, um, all, all that workload obviously came on to myself and every single phone call, whether it's papers, whether it's players or text messages or it's your committee or you're the go-to for everything. So as much as I knew that that happened, because I was quite hands-on with Spider as well and, and, and I was poly with him, so he used to feed back a lot, a lot of information to me, but it probably did surprise me how much how much you are the go-to and how many phone calls and stuff that you have to deal with. But it's, um, I love it. Um, it's, it's weeks and stuff that are that are very busy. You, you wonder how you're managing it, but you just do. It's just a, it's just a passion for, for, um, for football and, and management and stuff that um, I would be lost without it. So um, just enjoy it while you can. So, so how how do you manage it? Um, um, dealing with the the different type of players because I'm I'm assuming in the dressing room there's different people will react differently to to how you, you know, speak to them or some some people need a kick up the backside and then others need, you know, a bit of encouragement. How have you found that? Yeah, yeah, you're right there. There is there's different characters and different people respond to. To different ways that you manage it, but that would be one thing that I would be quite confident in with. I would always like to think I've, I've been quite a good communicator, whether I've been on the football pitch or when I was just in a coaching role. I, I've always felt I was quite approachable uh, to speak to, and I could I could put across my ideas um, quite well as well. So that was one thing I was always confident with was the man management side of stuff, and um, probably my my day to day job kind of helps with that as well, but. The communication with the players is something that is very open. Um, I wouldn't like to say I'm close with my players, but I don't like to consider myself as well, he's a manager. You can't you can't say that to him. You can't do that to him. I I like I see myself as my role as a manager as a football club. Their role as the player, um, and that's it. Um, they can speak to me about anything. I'm I'm there for them to speak to, and um, I'd like to I'd like to consider. Uh, myself very approachable for the players and that's just something that I'll, I'll always do um, I don't think because you're a manager of a football club you've got any given right to start shouting and screaming at players in a way that your boss wouldn't do at your own workplace so that's something that I do I do with the guys as well I'd like to think I'm, I'm quite respectful to them as long as I'm as long as I'm getting that respect back from them um, so so how have you and the, the players found it um, playing games um at times with with no fans it's probably the, 
the thought of it's probably worse than what it is. Um, don't get me wrong, it's great when the fans are fans are there and you see a you see a parked out Highland League ground. But once you're the manager, and I'm sure the players will probably say the same thing. Once that whistle goes, uh, you kind of switch off. Um, that's probably surprised me more than what I thought. You kind of switch off from the situation and your your full focus is on that ninety minutes of the game. So it's probably the thought of it in the warm up and the the atmosphere approaching the ground is probably more strange than the actual ninety minutes themselves. That's how I've felt at any I've felt that any game that we've been part of, I've kind of switched off from what's around about me. Uh, and I just focus on on the players in the park, but it is a strange atmosphere when you know that you're not going there. There's not going to be crowds. There's when you turn up to the grounds, you're having to do things that you wouldn't normally have to do. Um, so that side of it's probably been uh, taking a lot, taking a lot of getting used to more than the the crowds at the games. Yeah, I was going to say from the highlights I've watched, you hear more of the shouting than the normal. Uh, it used to be you wouldn't really notice it. Um... It is, it's funny, I'm, also, I'm, I'm partly with some of the managers in the Henley, but it is funny, I, when you watch the highlights, you sometimes have a look to see where the camera's placed, and if it's placed right next to the dugout, you said it, uh, you can often hear a few of them. Um, obviously, when you didn't have fans, you wouldn't have had the, the chuff-chuffs with their with their drums and, and chanting about you and, and Neil Gold <laughs> and, and all those different <laughs> chants. So how, how, how great is that just, just the whole aspect of the the connection between the players and and obviously yourself and the and the fans because you don't really get that in our leagues I would say so. No, you don't. Um, I would say I, I would say you're right what you're saying that I think the Highland League's a unique league in that sense. I, I, I don't think you'll see a league that's as quite as close knit as as what it is um, in terms of the, in terms of the fans. Like I think maybe apart from. And I've mentioned we've mentioned Bucky, Dev and Vale and stuff, but even then I think a lot of the fans mingle. Um, I think a lot of the fans use it as an opportunity to catch up with people and it's not as if there's segregation and there's like locust fans there and Huntley fans over there. I think once you get to the grounds there's a there's a sense of enjoyment. Like let's let's enjoy the football. Yes, we can have a bit of banter about it and uh, a bit of competitiveness there, but the Highland League is quite unique and it probably comes from your players as well like the players are competitive on the park don't get me wrong it is really competitive on the park we all know each other um, a lot of your Aberdeenshire teams you can it's guys that you see in town or it's guys that you've played with maybe at a previous club so there is a closeness within the Highland League that I am the experienced before and until somebody's involved in it you probably can't explain it to them um, it's just something that happens and it's it's a big part of what the league is and, and I'm sure it'll continue like that for years to come uh, one one final question um, so um, what are your, your ambitions um, in terms of management and, and first of all how far do you think you can take locals my ambition uh, personally um, first and foremost you want to you want to be able to stamp your own uh, authority within your within your club. I, th- I would like to think that whenever I finish it in Freedy Locos, that's what I hope that people would say. I was a, I enjoyed watching that in Freedy Locos side. It was a successful in Freedy Locos side, and um, you could tell the way that um, the way that I asked them to play and the way that I asked them to handle themselves both on the park and off the park. So that would be my that would be my goal for Inverary Locos in terms of as a club. Um, I would like to think there's an identity to it uh, by the time that I walk away whenever that is or uh, if the club decide to go a different direction from it. But I would like to think that, that 
people liked an Andy Lowe side, uh, and that's what I would like. In terms of ambitions as a club, uh, in, in me, um, my ambitions to win a league with Locos, um, I, I find it hard to say anything different. I think it's it's difficult. You've got a lot of managers that will say the same things. Um, it's got to be a it's a competitive league at this moment in time. I think uh, I think. Rora and Fraserburgh are, are two of your strongest teams um, and I think you've got a, a group of about four teams underneath that, that that would be saying the same things as me as they're, they're looking to make that next step and to really push it to win the Highland League and that's what my ambition is um, I, I'm, I've changed uh, the way that we're doing things at the club um, recently I, I want to go a different direction Um with a club, but I also I don't I don't want year I don't want to have to wait two three years to to make that push to win the Highland League. I'm I'm quite impatient in that way, and probably because I've been involved in successful clubs and in the past that I want to I want to be competitive now. Um, so we're trying to we're trying to create a, a group at the moment where we're reducing the age of the squad, but I don't believe we're reducing the quality. Um, so we've got a group there that that's a good group now, but over the next couple of years it could be a it could be a very, very strong group that we could hopefully keep uh, keep together. Uh, so that's what it is. I just want to always be competitive. If we're not winning the Highland League, I want to feel like we can win the Highland League, um, or we're very close to it. So you're at least you've got a marker for the for the seasons to come, and you know what you need to do. Because at this moment in time, I think if Brora, if it was a normal season last year, I think Brora would have potentially maybe finished twenty eight to twenty five points ahead of Embrough Locos, and and that for me is you're not challenging. Um, challenging for me would be if you're five points off them or three points off them and that's that's why I want to take him really locus to and, and then to eventually to a point that we can we can hopefully first uh, secure our first league title thanks for listening to the highland league podcast hope you can join me next time for another interesting interview um.